this glorious sight, this resurrected and living one, Jesus, is his prophet, priest, and king. This is the one who is now holding the church in his hand. And despite the persecution of the Christians that John was facing, despite his own personal setbacks, despite all the challenges he faced, Jesus is alive. And Jesus is living and reigning in glory, ruling over his church. This is how the vision of Revelation begins, with the Lamb of God in victory, ruling for his people. following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Rock solid hope in Rim Country. April 28, 2019. Revelation 1, 4-18. Jesus is alive. We celebrated that last Sunday and continue to each Sunday. And yet, isn't it that even though you probably celebrated last Sunday with friends and family the resurrection message that... After a while, maybe even on Monday that week, the joy, the comfort, the celebration began to just fade into the background. And the next day became just something to struggle through. What happens then? The celebration, the the impact of Easter begins to diminish, doesn't it? Well, this Easter season, we'll be looking through the book of Revelation And as we take that look through different sections, we'll see that truth, that the the Lamb of God, the one who is slain, lives. And in each part, we'll see how because he lives, we find for today lasting comfort, peace, joy, assurance, and hope. And that the Easter message, yes, might at times begin to fade, but these words are written to build us up and to show us How important it is for today that the Lamb of God lives. Today we begin the book as we see the Lamb of God lives to secure our forgiveness. As John writes this letter, he's writing in what maybe you'd consider a bit more unusual circumstance. See, he's exiled on the island of Patmos, as he says, which is near what we now call today Asia Minor, an island, small island, about 30 miles off of the southwest. And as he's exiled here, you can imagine he's feeling pretty discouraged because he is now, after 60 years of proclaiming the resurrection, facing the persecution like we read of earlier during various times in his life, he's the last one of the 12 apostles, the only one who hasn't been killed because of his testimony of Jesus. And now John is well along in years, and it seems like perhaps now, as he's exiled under the reign of the Roman emperor, Domitian, that his time is probably up. Only, as God often does, just as we think when we're not useful anymore or we couldn't possibly serve him in his kingdom, that's just when God begins to use us in ways we would never expect. God does that here for John as he gives him a vision to share, as it says, with the seven churches that were nearby on Asia Minor. And as we look at this message, this vision that John receives, it's given not just to those seven nearby churches, but for all of God's people in all circumstances. Yes, John was suffering in exile. Yes, those other churches were facing different challenges themselves. But these words are for them and for us to encourage us that the Lamb of God lives. 
John starts out here in this opening section. You'd think with perhaps some word of despair or discouragement, but no, it's grace and peace to you. The message that he writes is opening with undeserved love to you. And despite the turmoils and the the diminished hope that you might feel, peace to you. And this peace, he says, comes from the triune God. It has a threefold message. He says this grace and peace comes from him who is, who was, and who is to come. The eternal, everlasting Father, who is there for you always. And from the seven spirits before his throne, your footnote says the sevenfold spirit. This is, as Isaiah records, mentioning the sevenfold gifts, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who is in the presence before the very throne of God. And from Jesus Christ, God the Father, Son and Spirit, John says, send you his grace and peace. And with this picture of Jesus, there's a a threefold descriptor that further encourages his hearers. As we listen to this, we see the threefold description of Jesus as our prophet, priest, and king. John says, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. When Jesus walked this earth, he spoke the word of God faithfully. The very words of his mouth were the words of God. He is the faithful witness, our prophet, and he still sends his messengers to speak his word. And the firstborn from the dead alluding to the sacrifice and the death of Jesus and also the payment that was made. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, our priest, who offered up to God what only could be by him. And we follow him because of his sacrifice as rising in glory. And Jesus, our prophet and priest, is our king, the ruler of the kings of the earth. This threefold comfort describes how our triune God gives us grace and peace, which comes to us through Jesus, our prophet, priest, and king who lives. And then, John brings in, you'll, you'll note as we go through Revelation, numbers are significant, a threefold mention of praise and description of Jesus and what he's done for us. To him who loves us. I don't know about you, but Can you think of any better picture of God than that? Him who loves us. doesn't matter what you're facing. doesn't matter the guilt that's weighing on you. It doesn't matter anything else. His title that Jesus takes for himself is him who loves us. That changes everything. And to know that measure of love, the second part is, has freed us from our sins by his blood. God loved us so much that he took on human flesh, became our redeemer who would pay the price with his own blood and life. That's the measure of love which your God has for you. And because of that payment, you've been freed from your sins. The guilt is gone. You are fully and freely loved. And the third part of the description made us to be something special. You know, it's enough to be loved, right? You, you can feel encouraged. What more do you need when you're facing darkness and despair than to know that you are still loved? But it's another to be valued with that love. This is not some coddling love where God patronizes his people. No, this is a love in which he lifts us up 
and gives us value. We are significant to him. He says he's made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve him. To know that you are loved and freed, but also significant and made to be part of his kingdom and a priest lifts you up. John, as he's facing his despair, gives a threefold mention of Christ and his work that this alone ought to be enough. And this Jesus who rescued us, freed us, loves us, he's going to come back for us. Once again, uh, the third triad as he describes the coming of Jesus as our king. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. This Jesus who loved you, who, who freed you, who has made you and lifted you up to be a kingdom and priest, you're going to see him. He's coming again. And everybody's going to see him. There'll be a resurrection, just as Scripture said, and all of us are going to one day see Jesus coming in glory. And the second part, you can't escape this coming. Every eye will see him, even those that pierced him. All the dead will be raised. And... Fulfilling the words of scripture, all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. This fulfills the prophecy of Zechariah and also the words which Jesus himself told John. The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He's coming. Don't forget about it. Now we could spend a lot of time just on, on these pictures and these images and these, these triads describing praise and our triune God and Jesus and what he's done. We could look at a lot more details here yet and just see just in this introduction, tremendous comfort that the Lamb of God lives in who he is and what he's done for us. But when we read on here, we find something kind of striking, don't we? John, as he gets to verse 9 here, says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God. Note John's situation and how he describes it. He says, companion in suffering and patient endurance that's ongoing, must endure day after day endurance, which John, for over 60 years now, has proclaimed the resurrection with suffering. And though he, 60 years ago, proclaimed Easter joy, it was day after day calling for patient endurance on his part with that suffering. And here, now very advanced in age, in exile, on the island, Shut out from God's people. You notice probably what's also disconcerting about this is John doesn't just say this is his lot. I said his lot maybe sounded unusual, but it's actually not so unusual. John says, your brother and fellow companion in suffering. John is saying that this is something which you, seven churches, also suffer and endure with because you follow Christ. And John also speaks then to the church, to us. We are fellow companions with John in patient endurance and suffering. Isn't that the case? You can celebrate the, the joy of Easter just like we did last week, and yet maybe if you're like me, it comes and it hits. 
even just on Monday, something maybe like a, a sinus infection just makes you hit rock bottom. And life isn't so celebratory all of a sudden. Or maybe if you're like someone else in our congregation, you were here to celebrate Easter Sunday, but found in the course of the week that you faced major health issues which called for a major surgery. Or like others who gathered with us on Easter Sunday, maybe you, though you celebrate the joy of Easter, still had to return home and face grief major life setbacks and loss and had to endure through that. And still, if you're like the rest of John's writers, as we see in his letter to the seven churches, there's yet on top of that persecution. And the the trials and the suffering that we face also is accompanied, as you see from the seven churches, of which you and I are no different, the weight of our own guilt and our own failings to endure that suffering and to faithfully follow Jesus as we ought. Suddenly, the the joy and celebration of Easter becomes a, a weight of suffering, enduring, and a guilt which becomes heavy on our hearts. This is what John says. He's a companion and brother in suffering and patient endurance. That's why this vision was given to him. And what follows next, his description of our God, is something that built him up and was given not only to encourage him that he might see the Lamb of God lives, but given to the seven churches, and as we'll see, given to every eye and all of us to see that we might see the Lamb of God lives. This was given to John. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. These lampstands we'll see later on represent the seven churches. Seven, as we'll see, is a number that represents God's interaction with his people. And these lampstands, the churches, are the light of the world which Jesus has made us to be. And there, walking among the churches, in the midst of their suffering, their persecution, their guilt, there's Jesus walking. And in this vision, he sees Jesus It says, was one like a son of man. Jesus, true divine son of God, used this title to refer to his human nature and divine nature. His fulfillment of prophecy as the the one who, like a man in appearance, would yet be worshipped by everyone. We're going to take a short moment here to look at that picture of Jesus, that vision. It says he's dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. So picture John as he sees this vision, beholding Jesus walking among his churches. And Jesus has a royal robe and a golden sash. The same Jesus that John once knew as walking in lowliness is now king over all. And this robe is also the one worn by the priest, as we see in the book of Exodus. Jesus, our priest, intercedes for us and rules for us as king. And his head on his hair was white like wool, as white as snow. White representing purity and wisdom. The holy, perfect Son of God, who never once failed or committed any fault, is the living Jesus. And with all the wisdom of God, Jesus rules. And 
His eyes were like blazing fire. Now John's picture begins to show the fierceness of this holiness. This same pure and holy Jesus who's king is one who you cannot escape the gaze of. His searching judgment sees all. Every guilt and every sin is under his gaze. And his eyes which burn like fire. And his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. Just like in the prophets Ezekiel and others, a fire goes before him, a consuming fire with the holy God. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. I don't know if you've ever been really close to when a rapids is flowing at high water or maybe a waterfall, but you might know what that's like. Pretty much drowns out every other noise and it's overwhelming. So was the voice of the now exalted Jesus. In his right hand, he held seven stars. The seven stars we'll see later on. Seven, God's interaction with his people, his church. Jesus holds his church in his hand. Here's a comforting thought. And out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. What comes from the mouth of God but his word? Law and gospel. A two-edged sword which cuts and which heals. The law and the gospel of Jesus is his powerful word that comes out of his mouth and accomplishes his purpose powerfully. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance, the holiness of God. John sees this vision of Jesus. This is the Lamb of God who was slain and who now lives. And at the very sight of it, John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't we? And yet, the Lamb of God lives to assure his people and to comfort them. He placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Jesus is everlasting. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, look, I'm alive forever and ever. Now John has his comfort This glorious sight, this resurrected and living one, Jesus, is his prophet, priest, and king. This is the one who is now holding the church in his hand. And despite the persecution of the Christians that John was facing, despite his own personal setbacks, despite all the challenges he faced, Jesus is alive. And Jesus is living and reigning in glory, ruling over his church. This is how the vision of Revelation begins with the Lamb of God in victory, ruling for his people. You know, when John hears the next words, he had to have been assured for certain. I'm alive, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Death, the realm of the dead, it's got nothing on me. I've got the keys, Jesus says. I've got the power and authority over it. We saw earlier how Jesus said to his disciples, if you forgive anyone, they are forgiven. The other gospels, he says, I give you the keys. I give you this authority. So when you and I speak to those who are in despair, those who are discouraged, those who are wondering, does does God, does he rule for me or is the joy of Easter now diminished for me? You speak those words, Jesus lives and you are forgiven. Those are not idle words. 
Those are words which are backed by the living Jesus whom we see in this vision, reigning in power and glory with the brightness of the sun. And the Jesus who holds the church in his hand says, I have authority and I have given that forgiveness to you, my people. He's the one who loves us. He's the one who's freed us from our sins by his blood. And he is alive and he values us and we are now part of his kingdom. This living Jesus is how it all begins in the book of Revelation. I invite you to join with me this Easter season as we continue to go through this book and we continue to see vision after vision that encourages and comforts us, all of God's people, his church, during every time and every challenge. This Easter tide, we're going to see for the next six weeks here how Jesus is the Lamb of God. And we know to begin with, the Lamb of God lives to secure our forgiveness. He loves us and he's freed us from our sins. Amen.